it's, uh, there's a lot of people missing today, and they need to hear this. Because uh, I'm doing a new series. They cannot miss the first one, because they'll get lost in the second and third one. So, you guys are blessed for being here Amen. on Family Day. We're going to be talking about fathers. Ha ha! Didn't plan it like that. <laughs> Only Christy laughed. You guys okay? Are you guys okay? No? <laughs> you guys act like my students. <laughs> All right. So when we do the prayer blessing, um, yeah, we don't look for, we don't, we're not here for the blessing, but that's God's heart to bless us. According to Psalm 60 and 67, he says, bless us, O Lord, so that the world may know your ways. And the degree to which you are blessed, and I'm going to talk about that in subsequent we uh, weeks, what it means to actually have the blessings of God. And it, it, it doesn't mean, it pr probably not what you think it means, like money and jobs. Those are like secondary, but there's a different kind of blessing that, um, that we need to really understand, that we need to seek. You guys, you guys okay? Yes? You guys okay? Maybe all the loud people left for family vacation or something. You guys okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like we do that prayer blessing because we, I always want to give sh testimony, and we say promotions and jobs and better jobs. Um, so this week, I also got an email from my dean. said, I have an opportunity for you, so I have a job already as a faculty. And then now I have another job. So now this is my fourth job. So when the dean asks you to do something, you always say yes, even though it's an option. Please consider it. And I'm like, sure, I'll do it. So he's asked me to actually design a course for our global university in China, India, and Africa. So all that to say, I could put all the stuff like, I have like secret, like seeds of God's word in that course. I'm already teaching that course, and people, my students love it. They're like, I have students, pre-MBA students coming to the class, and they're, a lot of them are like emotionally touched. And they come to me after class and like, I've never learned anything like this in my whole life. I'm teaching them uh, about management. <laughs> but they're like, I, I'm never, I've never thought this way before. It's because I'm putting the words of God into the course. <laughs> and I'm praying for revelation. And even in my classes, sometimes I like give revelation directly to my students. And they're like, where are you getting this from? <laughs> Do you understand? That's how the word of God works. It works for Christians and non-Christians. I don't know if you guys heard what I just said. <laughs> you think that the word just works for Christians and we just bless one another. Um, it's actually supposed to go out to the non-believers. Amen? So... Amen. You guys got 28 minutes, and I'll be done in 28 minutes. Okay? This is just an introduction. I have, I've been really doing some soul searching, and I just want to share with you from my heart. You guys, and every, anybody who's listening, all those people who are missing, listen to me. I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> this is my heart. I've been doing ministry for 23rd, this is my 24th year of ministry. 
I never thought that I would be sucked back. Not, I don't want to say sucked back in. Have the privilege of being back into the ministry. After all these years, I really thought that I was paving another career for the Lord. And uh, with the privilege of starting a new ministry with the aches and pains, and my wife and I, we've been praying, like, why did God bring us so many young people and young people in spirit? <laughs> Catherine, she's, she's, she's young, our age. <laughs> but we're, Catherine, I, and my wife are rever like reverse aging. Amen. <laughs> what do you think? Yes? We're reverse aging. And so, but we're young at heart. And so we thought that's probably one of the reasons why. And people are wondering, like, um, we have a group of pastors that we meet, and they're, they're, every time they say young people, like millennials, they get really excited, like, because they don't come to church. And I'm like, oh, they come here. <laughs> they're here. They're sometimes a lot of them come, and sometimes all of them take vacations at once. <laughs> and half the church is not here. That's millennials. But I think one of the reasons I think God has given us young people, and I feel like there's going to be a flood of young people, and I, the word that I've been getting, the rhema word, the word that God's been speaking to me about is, I know it doesn't quite feel like it or seem like it, but as a church, we need to prepare for the re-entering, the re-entry of the prodigals. I feel that with all my heart, or as I wouldn't be doing this. I can't just gather with you for years, and then you guys just get blessed by yourselves, and you just, like, get fat in the spirit. You know, you need to exercise, which is to see your friends. I'm talking about atheists. I'm talking about most people are not atheists. Most people are agnostic. I'm talking about your agnostic friends who are spiritual, have an encounter with Jesus. Oh, I can feel God's spirit on me right now. I just really feel God when I say that. I feel like there's going to be this re-entry, a flood of people coming, but he, they're only going to come like the prodigal son to the father's house. They're not going to come to the elder brother's field. You guys know the story, elder brother in the field, planning, working, laboring. That's the picture of religion. You know why the prodigal left? Because he could see that his father is going to die one day, and his older brother is going to be in charge of him. Because according to that culture, the older brother has two-thirds of the inheritance and the right of the fatherhood. And they looked at the older brother and said, this, this guy can't be my father. Hell no. He's going to make me work like a slave, discipline me, correct me. And so I'm out of here. Give me my one-third. I'm out of here. I'm going to just do whatever I want. That is the nature of the prodigal. The prodigal leaves not because they don't love the father, because they feel the, fear the older brother prodigals are left to church because not because of Jesus. They left because of the father figures 
who represented Jesus in the church. So, my wife and I, this is our lifetime message. To create a house of God that's truly reflective of his heart. So the nation of Israel was a nation. And that God is so beautiful and he's so creative and strategic. He, he created it this way. The nation of Israel. And then there'll be the 12 tribes. And then within every tribe, there'll be clans, little groups. And then within, within every clan, there'll be a household. It's called the father's house. And it was not just one father. There was a patriarch, but there were extended families, like an Asian family. All your uncles. and In Korean, we have like some chuns and uncles and second uncles and your dad's friend who's also an uncle. So many uncles and aunts. You guys understand? That's why I believe that uh, in the Asian culture, there's so much like success in many, many avenues. Like we, we, we have a lot of success and there's some wholeness there because of the extended family. God created it that way and then he created the church to reflect that father's household. And even in the Greek the household of God in the Greek means oikos, the household, the fellowship. And in that fellowship, there was an extended house. I don't know if, you're, if you've ever lived in Asia. I used to go to my uncle's farm all the time. Every not all the time. Every summer, my dad wanted me to work, learn the value of work. At the age of five, I was planting rice with leeches on my legs. I still remember like planting rice. And my aunt would bring like a bucket, like a rubber bucket with rice, like green leaf, leaf. <laughs> what is that called? Some, which is that? What is that? Rom romaine lettuce kind of something? Rice, lettuce, and then gochujang. Hot paste. You guys know gochujang? Gochujang. Is that Korean food? It's so popular. Now. You're like, I understand. <laughs> like 25 years ago when I said gochujang, people are like, what's that gochujang? You know how much, how, much, how much pain I've gone through bringing Korean food to my high school? <laughs> my friends are like, what is that, man? What is that kimchi? Oh, stink, get it out of here. I'm like, you know how many fights I've gone into because of this? Because I would never be bullied. I'm like, what? Don't talk about my Korean food like that, you racist. And then I would like fight. <laughs> but now you bring kimchi and people are like, oh, so kimchi. Wow, it's probiotic. Oh. Do you know how much I suffered? I laid the groundwork for you to have all that stuff. <laughs> Anyways. Where was I going? So, in the farm, I, that farmhouse, it was like rooms. And there was a courtyard. That, and then, like, uncles lived there. My uncle, my real uncle, and his friends, and it was like an extended family. You guys understand? And Catherine understands what I'm talking about. Like, it's a, it's a farmhouse. It's not even a roof. It's like grass, hay. I, I lived there all summer, working. It was the best times of my life. No TV. Play with the cows, marbles. That's all. Kill birds to eat it. That's it. Anyways, that is the picture of the household of God. When we're building a house, it's not the North American, like one mother, one father, and then kids. 
And then you're like, I'm a professional. Nothing wrong with working. And I just want one kid. There was an extended family. We only wanted two. Boy and a girl. That's it. But there was something to the extension of the family where there was a patriarch that oversaw that house. And that's... And then everybody was related. There was, a, there was a great affection for one another and supporting one another. And that is the picture of the household of God. And when the church in Acts grew, it wasn't a mega church. Though 3,000 people got saved in one day, that's what happens when God's spirit comes. They broke into these house churches. And in these house churches, they ate together, lived together, Worshiped together, supported one another, got filled with the Spirit together, read the Word together, got persecuted together. And then when they got really comfortable, God sent persecution that could spread out to all the land. So sometimes when persecution happens, God uses that to spread us out, to get us out of our comfort zone. You guys following what I'm saying? So this is... This is my heart. I believe that my wife and I were called to build the father's house and the mother's houses because God is a father, but he also has a matriarchal spirit. I believe in woman leadership in the church. Without that, it's distorted. Amen? So the reason we has, I hesitate and I needed prophetic people <laughs> in our lives even this week to remind us and kind of rebuke us in a nice way, reclaim that because we kind of left it for a while because when we were teaching this for the past 18 years in our ministry, some people got it, other people twisted it and abused it. And used it in a way that I did not intend. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to talk about that ever again. And so that's why when I talk about things of this nature, I don't mention, I don't even use the word father. Because people are going to think, oh, are you my father? You want to be? No. I'm already a daddy. (laughs) Here, this is my daughter right here. But there is something to spiritual fathers and mothers. And I feel like God is saying, your generation needs them more than any other. And I feel, that when I meet with people and I mentor them, I feel their longing. They don't even know it. You know, when the Spirit calls to the Spirit, I could feel their Spirit calling, I need a father. And then my Spirit is like, no just want to be your coach because <laughs> that's what I do for a living too coach let me give you some advice let me give you some advice Michael as your coach I'm not picking him out I'm just he's just right in front of me and let me just give you some advice Tyler but I think there's something different about fathering and mothering can I show you what I'm just going to preach on this verse for the next 15 minutes and we'll be done and then come back next few weeks because I'm going to go really deep. Go deep, deep. That's where 
people who are here for the first time, come back. It's going to get better. All right. Can you? Not this one. The next one. First Thessalonians 2.8. It says this, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. So I want you to just highlight this, share our own selves. Because you have become very dear to us. Share ourselves and dear to us. Now, That word share is not just, let me just share something with you, Jeremy. I don't know what I can share with you. <laughs> I got nothing but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> let me share my phone. No, I don't want you to have my phone. <laughs> let me, it's like, let me, let me share. Let me, let me share like a little piece of bread with you. It, that's what we talk about, right? Like, oh, let me share my meal with you. Um, yes, it does mean that, but in the Greek, it's a, it's a deeper word. It actually, uh, in the Greek, it means to transfer, to impart. It, it means to, there's a transference that happens. Why did Paul say to the Thessalonian church, he could have just, just sent a message here, this is what you do. He could have just sent a message, but he said, he said to the church, I wish... I could share with you. I could transfer to you, it says, my very self. He didn't say, I want to share with you some truths, which he also says. I want to not only the gospel of God, the truth, but he said, I want to share myself. And the word for self is the word for psyche, psychology, the inner self, my inner being. I wish I could transfer to you, you guys. Like transmit in a very good way, not the bad way we've been. Transmission in a very good way, like a good virus. Here, let me transfer to you something. Catch my spirit. Do you want to make? We don't something we want to catch. I want to. I want to transfer to you my very being. Come on, somebody. Paul is saying, why is he saying that? Now, first of all, it's because I love you. With a great affection. He says, you become very dear to me. I am very desirous, affectionately desirous of you. The word in the Greek, agapetos, which is my unconditional agape, unconditional love with full of affection. And Paul is saying it twice with double emphasis, which means it's very important to him. I want you to know that I love you with a deep and abiding love. That you are not just some ministry object to me, but I love you as a father in the spirit, which he told Timothy. I have, you have many teachers, but I have become a father to you, like a father. Paul was not married, so he said, you are my son. That's it. You are it. I have such affection for you that I want to impart my spirit to you. And why is he saying that? Because I can give you information. It's like my students. When I give them information, and I give them an exam. I don't do it 
lot of exams because they'll just memorize it like crazy and they'll get an A and then they walk out two weeks later, they forgot everything. I give them exercises so that I imprint, them, imprint into their minds and in their hearts my very being. That's why my, kid, my students like me. Good report. Like, I've never prof met a professor like this because I teach like this. When I talk about management, do you guys understand? And they're like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. What kind of professor is this? But they remember and they email me from China or wherever and they're like, I am working. I still remember what you said. I don't know the words exactly, but I know what you meant. And that's what it means. It means that whether you're with me or not, even if I'm thousands of miles away, I have your heart. I have your very being. So you don't have to tell me word for word what, you need to, what I need to do. I just know what you would do. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.11, he says, Hey, follow me as I follow Christ if you don't know who to follow. Because as I follow Christ, then you will follow the ways of Christ. And I'm sick and tired of Christian leaders going, don't follow me, follow Jesus. That sounds noble and sentimental, but I'm like, have some courage to tell people, I will not cheat on my wife. I will not lie on my taxes. I will be a kind, though imperfect. I will model to you what it means to be in the very presence of God. Because every leader that does not lead you into the presence of God is a false leader. Hopefully, I am making you hungry to be in the very presence of God. To hear the words of heaven for your life. If I'm making you hungry to meet with me and get my wisdom, I'm not doing my job. Your desire is to meet with me and my wife so you can learn our ways to understand what it is to hear God. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's a hard thing to say. Some of my Christian leader friends are saying, saying you sure you want to say that? Because that's a lot of burden you're going to carry. Yeah, Jesus said you're going to have, Jesus, Jesus never said there's no burden. He said you have a burden, but it's going to be light because I'll be with you. You guys understanding? So that's why I'm going to end this, wrap it up with Joshua. Joshua 2, it says this, Joshua 2.10. This, this is Judges 2.10, sorry. Judges 2.10. So Joshua, they, everybody got all the inheritance of land, and it was good for a while, and Joshua died at the age of 110. May we live to 110 years old, honey. <laughs> and they buried him with the boundaries of an inheritance in the hill, hill country of Ephraim, north of, uh, north of the mountain of Gash. And then verse 10, Judges 2.10, it says this, And all the generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose Another generation. After them who did not know the Lord. Or the work that he had done for Israel. And then you see judges. The calamity that happened. 
Joshua, great victory. Judges, just knuckleheaded people doing the same thing over and over again. It breaks your heart. What is happening here? They did not know God's ways. Whether it was Joshua or their leaders, they did not impart to him his very spirit like Moses did to Joshua. You guys, you guys following me? Numbers 27. God says to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of, man, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him. Which is a symbol of transference, impartation. Make him stand before Eliezer, the priest, and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. You shall invest into him some of your authority. And the word authority there is glory. Your majesty and your beauty. Give him your very being and your identity and who you are and your desire for me. As I saw you, Moses, face to face, and I called you friend, and you reflected my glory because you are with me. Give him some of that. Give it to him. You guys understand? Like I said, teach Joshua. Impart to him what it means to be in the presence of God. And you see Joshua after that. When Moses left the tent of meeting with God, Joshua said, no, no, you go, Moses. I'm going to stay in the presence of God. So Joshua got it. This guy led me into the presence of God, and I'm going to stay here because I love it. And then Numbers 11, Moses said, the Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 people, elders. Take them and put, give them some of your spirit. Not teach them information. He said, give them their Give them, the, give them your spirit so they will do what you want to do, which is what I want to do. How many of you guys know that God wants to do what you want to do? <laughs> you guys are like, what? That don't sound right. <laughs> he wants to do the desires of your heart because he wants to transform your heart so that when you want to do things, if your heart is aligned to him, then God says, I want to do that because it's my heart. That's why he told King David, do whatever's in your heart. God wants to stop you, not push you. A bunch of us are a bunch of donkeys, never moving, because we don't understand the Father's heart. Go! Go to the nations! Do something! No! <laughs> what does a donkey sound like? <laughs> no! Stubborn donkey. God wants us to be like a thoroughbred horse at the gate going, oh, you know, like, ready to go. And then like, okay, hold on there, buddy. Not yet. The gate's open. Like Josh, like Jeremy and Elsie, can't wait to go to Japan. I can't. They're like, wow, thoroughbred horse is ready to go. I'm like, all right, don't worry. Well, you're going to go there. You're going to take over Japan. Don't worry. Don't worry. But they're like, I want to go now. Don't worry. It's better to be like that than be to be, but I don't want to go anywhere. I'm comfortable where I am. That's an orphan spirit that doesn't understand the Father's heart. If you have the Father's heart, you're not waiting for a command. You already know his commands. 
Give him some of your spirit. Why is this important? Because it doesn't matter how gifted you are, Jeremy. Because if you don't pass it on, the gifting ends with you. It really doesn't matter if you're the greatest orator and the greatest gifting. You have the gift of healing, all those things. And that's why in Corinthians it says, if you do not have love, you're nothing. Do you think it just means like, I love you? It means what Paul says, my agapetos, my desire. First Thessalonians 2.8, I love you so much, I want to give you myself. And it's nothing, church, Corinthian church. If you're just thinking about my gifts, and my, it don't matter. If you, we don't raise up fathers and mothers for the next generation so that you pass it on. That's what shalom means. You guys are like, shalom. You know what that means, shalom? It means you at the center and God above, so you have a right relationship with God, and you have a right relationship with your peers, and you have a right relationship with somebody under you, that you are giving yourself to. If you don't have that, you're off balance. You have no peace. That's shalom. It ends with you. It's like, got two minutes. You know, Jeremy, come up. Go like this, go like this. Go like this. You know, like, you know, elementary school, we used to have relays. Remember the, remember the relay? Everybody's like, come on, come on. And we're all missing it, right? I don't know what the problem is, but I was really good at it. Just like this, right? Pass it on. Okay, thank you. You know what? Thanks, Jeremy. You know what? That's the danger of sitting at the front, man. You know what? The American 100, 100 by 4. 4 by 100 relay team is the worst. Oh, we're disqualified. You know how many times it happened to them? And, but they have the fastest runners. Don't matter. Bar none. There's like Americans are like, they just, they're born to run. But then they cannot pass. They're like, they cannot pass the baton, and it falls to the ground, and the race is over. When the Bible says, run the race, it's not talking about you only. The Bible is saying, run the race. He's saying, pass it on. Pass it on. Paul understands this. He's saying, I am passing on, not information, but my very heart, so even if I pass away, I have passed on. And you know what to do. You guys following what I'm saying? So the key to perpetual revival is not the transference of information, it's the transference of impartational, the heart, the inner being of somebody. You guys understand? I got so much to say, but I'm going to close it up. Do you know what it means to bless in the Hebrew? It's to speak, but also to kneel. And so when God says God wants to bless, and he blessed Adam, 
it's very poignant, according to Jewish theology, that he knelt to make, and he spoke. He gave his very breath to Adam. He gave his very spirit. Adam had the very spirit of God. And then he just messed up. He just messed it up. <laughs> Adam. Oh, Adam. Don't, I, I don't know. That's why I don't, I've never even thought about naming my son Adam. <laughs> that knucklehead ruined everything. <laughs> Baruch is to bless. But you also kneel to receive. So it's a symbol of people kneeling to bless one another. And you know why they kneel? It's because when, some, when a Jewish... When you, when you bless somebody, you bless them like this, it's a symbol that you're going to stand, the person you're blessing is going to stand on their shoulders like this. It means my ceiling is not your cap. It's your very floor. That's why the apostles and the prophets were the foundation of the house. So when you go to a house, you don't go look at the house and you go, what great foundations. What a house. When you, guys, when you were looking with her boyfriend's parents are looking for houses in North Van and everywhere. Did you go into the house, Isabel, and go, what great foundations. Maybe you did because I taught you. I don't know. <laughs> Good foundations here. No, you look, oh, look at all the rooms. Oh, the design and the layout. That's what you look at, right? The apostles and the prophets who are the founders of the church were the foundations to build upon. Get on my shoulder so you can go higher. That's the Father's heart. I don't want you to reach my... I don't want... Succession is called, in the business world, it's called the founder syndrome. Nobody wants to follow, follow a great founder like Tiger Woods or Steve Jobs. Because they're like, I can't reach that high. Because they created a culture where you're like, this is so high, I can't. I would hate to be Tiger Woods' son, comparing me to Tiger Woods all the time. But a true father will say, son, you are going to, it says, don't follow in what I do. Do what in your heart. But I'm going to bless you so much. I want you to take the double portion of my spirit and do double. That's what firstborns are. They always get double. That's why Elijah, Elisha said to Elijah, give me double portion. He wasn't being greedy. He was saying, I understand the responsibility. Give me double. You guys following me? That's the Father's heart. So let's stand. I'm going to continue. You guys excited? Because yeah. I have life messages that I've been, hold I've been, I've been meditating on First, First Kings 19 for two years. Maybe it's time to give it to you. I thought it was just for me, but maybe I'll give it to you guys. <laughs> That's a, I, was, I was thinking of writing a little short book on it. It's my life story, but I'll give it to you. You guys excited? I think it could change your life. I think it would change the way you think about God, and I think you would do way more than you thought. And that you would actually, like a true son, of the Father in the Father's house that you would dream big. That's the evidence that you know that you are a son and daughter of God, that you have the capacity to dream. 
Okay. So, all right, Father God, Papa, Daddy, we're ready. Everybody say, I'm ready. I'm ready to receive your heart. I'm tired of being an orphan. You don't have to repeat everything, but go ahead. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm tired of being an orphan. I want to be a son and daughter of the living God. You are my papa. You are my daddy. You have plans to prosper me. Give me a hope and a future, not just for myself, for generations to come. Honey, can you help me? I'm just going to pray for Elsie. Can you put your hand on me? And if you want to say something, go ahead. Everybody extend your hands to Elsie. I just feel like I wanted my wife to pray for her because my wife, not only is she pure, she has purity of faith, just like a stubborn faith. And I want you to pray that you would you give, give that to her in double portion. That Elsie will have stubborn faith, almost to the point that it would irritate Jeremy. <laughs> Maybe it does now. <laughs> but just that black and white, and I want her to, I want her to um, like reclaim her voice. I feel like there's been a season where your voice hasn't been heard. I feel like your voice has been quiet. And I, I feel like even leaders and just even authority figures in your life has, uh, I don't want to say used you, but uh, placed you placed you in places where like, your outward workings, your service was highlighted. And that they were happy with that, your service. And then you, you kind of created an identity around that service, servanthood, servant attitude. And I feel like the Lord is saying it's time to rise up, daughter of God. There's a voice that he wants to like, just release. So I release the voice of God in you. That prophetic voice of God to speak. Like I just heard the word Deborah. Like a, like a leader. Deborah was a judge. When Barak, the true leader, <laughs> did not speak, Deborah said, get out of my way, I'll speak. And she became the leader. And I just feel like God is anointing you to be a leader for a generation and a mother, like a mother's spirit to generations to come. I feel like the Lord is saying you're going to be a carrier of his presence. More than any gifting, the Lord wants to bestow upon you his, some of his glory and majesty. And then you're going to pass that on to people. Even as I heard you Sing today. It wasn't just the voice. It was your presence, your heart. You're going to release God's heart to a generation. Release that to generations. And I want you to think big to generations. There's going to be a whole group of people that's going to come after you. You're not just going to mentor them, advise them. You're going to be a mother figure to them. Amen. I release that onto them. I release that onto you now. Recapture your voice to speak. 
God has been training you and preparing you for this time. I just feel like even in this church, there's so many Deborahs, so many women leaders. You should just put your hand on your own head and say, I'm a Deborah. I'm a leader. I just feel that. So release that onto them. Even wherever she goes, Japan, to the nations, I just feel like also the Lord is saying, don't limit yourself to one nation. I say that I feel like the, your feet are going to go to many nations, many nations of the world, and you're going to be a prophetic teacher. You're going to teach the word with clarity, but there's a prophetic nature that's going to come upon you Amen. to hear the word of God. We give you all the glory, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let's praise the Lord. All right.